things you should know right off the bat. I've had four cups of coffee. I'm a little nervous. Did I mention my name's Chadi? Yeah. Oh, this is a creative church podcast, and, well, you should know that uh, I cry in corners. True story. What is up, fam? Welcome to episode seven of I Crying Corners. So far on this journey, we've talked about why we are here, uh, how we all have feelings, and uh, several ways to help us navigate those feelings with wisdom. But today we're going to shift a bit as I, I feel like I want to start getting into the nitty gritty of why it's so important for you to lead yourself well and serve people with love and self-awareness. Look, in the last episode, I talked about following well and how you should pray for your leaders. Actually, I said stop praying for position and instead pray for your leaders. But today, I feel like I should add on to that and say pray for your leader and ask for kingdom influence. See, influence moves things forward regardless of what position you're in. And if you can humbly love people and push people forward, you'll find in response to your influence, you'll build kingdom people. And the truth is, immaturity chases position that produces temporal platforms. But maturity cultivates people and produces a kingdom influence. And that's why we're here on the earth. We're here to be mature Christians that cultivate people and produce a kingdom influence. Look, today we're going to talk about the kingdom. And I love talking about the kingdom. I love learning about the kingdom. And my prayer is that the things that I've learned and the things that I've studied will impact you as well. To see things differently, to love people differently. And ultimately, to get your butt out of the corners of life and see things with a new perspective. Okay, your leading isn't for you. And I say this in every episode, but I think it's sometimes you just need to be reminded that you're not here for a higher position or to get a better paycheck. It's to lift people up and push them higher and farther down the road that you're currently on. So the kingdom here and now can be visible in every place you walk into. That's my like life goal. I'm not talking about being a mentor to your circle. Mentors are great, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being led by the Holy Spirit in such a way that it moves people forward. See, if the Holy Spirit isn't your mentor, you'll replicate false versions of yourself. And in this episode, I'm going to ask you to begin to see your serving of others or your leadership role as instead a spiritual mothering and fathering of sorts to those that you have influence over. Yes, let me repeat myself that your influence isn't marked by your position, it's marked by your love for others. And when you're faithful to love, regardless of where you are on the totem pole of life, you'll begin to produce kingdom kids. So mentoring's great, but I want you to start thinking through your leadership style, through the things that how you influence people to be more like a mothering and a fathering. I know, I know, some of you just thought, Chadi, that's flipping weird. Uh, The people in my circle already have parents, and I've met them, and why do I need to be one? Well, because God is in the business of building and forming covenant relationships, not Facebook friends. Although Facebook friends are great, but God is a covenant God, and we are people of the covenant. Not like crazy covenant like the movie, like Jesus covenant, like Old Testament covenant, like New Testament covenant, like we are not people of a one night stand. We're covenant people. We're meant to be in relationship. We're meant to love each other past the ugly. We're meant to cry in corners together. This is who we are. So if you're down, I'm going to break this down and I hope you hear me with an open heart. 
I feel like you will, because if you're here after uh, seven episodes, I feel like you already know that I love you and that um, I have thought through this message and I've prayed through this for you and I'm thinking and I'm I'm just, I've been burdened by this message for a couple days and I just, it's really been hard for me to get it out. And I just, I know that it's for someone and I know that it's going to impact someone. So just get ready. Okay. Look, we're people of covenant. This is who we are. And I, I really, truly think if we can truly understand the kingdom, then it will change things. Because leaders who lead with a perspective of mentorship tend to replicate themselves, but leaders who lead with a perspective of the kingdom, and they realize they're sowing into impacting kingdom kids, they'll uh, cultivate unique kingdom people. And that's what you want for yourself. And that's what you want for others. You want them to, to cultivate everything that God's called within them, all the love and all the serving and all the amazing giftings that God has put in people. You want to be able to cultivate those things. You don't want to replicate yourself. Or maybe you do. I don't know. That's between you and Jesus. First things first. The kingdom sounds a little churchy, and I don't want anyone who's listening to miss out on this lesson because the word or concept is like foreign to them. So real fast, I want to just clarify the kingdom. The kingdom is a big theme for Jesus. It's it's throughout the Bible. And so because he talks about it a lot, I wanted to study it. So last year, I spent like an entire year uh, reading and diving into the book of Matthew to learn more about Jesus. And in Matthew 13, it's filled with breakdowns of the kingdom and Jesus's thoughts on the kingdom. Note, I am not a pastor or a theologian. I'm just a person who reads your Bible, desperately wants to know more of Jesus. And someone once told me that revelation is given to the obedient, and they are only given revelation if they repeat it, and they say it, and they share it. And so I'm going to share the revelation that God gave me from the kingdom. So I'm going to give it to you. It's my personal revelation of the kingdom and who the kingdom people are and all about the kingdom. But I highly suggest that you read your Bible. Get a revelation of this for yourself as it's changed my life. And I really, truly believe that... um, Getting a revelation of what somebody else thinks about the Bible is awesome, but to get a revelation from the Holy Spirit of what God is trying to tell you is like goals. So for me, the kingdom is God's work and hope for the world. The kingdom is also here and it's now, it's on. It's heaven on earth. It's the deep and vastness of eternity. I've said this before, calling to the deep and vastness of my soul here in the temporal. That's what the kingdom is. It's like, it's calling to me. It's, a, it's like the wheat and the tares. The work of the kingdom is plenty, and but many will miss out on its importance. It's like the mustard seed. It's ever evolving. Um, it's underestimated, but one day it'll bring shade and rest to many. It's like the leavened bread. It takes work to cultivate, but it affects, cause his name and values to rise. It's, it's like the hidden treasure. It's like that pearl. It, it needs to be sought. It needs to be guarded. It needs to be sacrificed for. And, and like a dragnet, it gathers people. It brings them to safety. It sifts through the things that truly matter. And you're part of it. And I'm part of it. And understanding the kingdom and becoming a kingdom person means you become a holder of God's treasures, his revelations, old and new. But in order to be a person that cultivates kingdom people, you first have to be a kingdom person yourself. And you become a kingdom person by living a life of true sacrifice and supernatural obedience. Back in the day, God, I felt like he would always test my obedience. He still does this from time to time, but this was like when I was really, really, really beginning to seek God and going, okay, God, test me in this, test me in this. And um, there was this time in my life where I, I would drink these super bougie cups of coffee from Starbucks. 
um, and I would go and I'd get this like seven and a half dollar cup of coffee. And, um, well, so there was a season I was fasting this cup of coffee, trying to be a, you know, good steward of not spending all my money, giving it to Starbucks. And so I had spent like 21 days fasting this specific cup of coffee. And I was driving to work one day and I was like, you know what? I'm done with my fast. I'm going to go get this cup of coffee. And immediately I felt the Holy, oh, I just snapped. I felt the Holy Spirit say, Chadi, don't you dare go to Starbucks and get that coffee. And I was like, no, no, that's not Jesus. Cause there's a Starbucks in heaven. I'm going to go get this cup of coffee. And so I, I drove myself into the Starbucks. I got out of the car and there was a homeless lady there and she just kind of looked at me and I kind of looked at her and I walked into the Starbucks and I, I, I felt there's nothing wrong with Starbucks. Jesus talks to me in Starbucks. And I, I felt the Holy Spirit again say, Chadi, don't buy that cup of coffee. You don't need it. And I was like, again, I don't really think that's the Lord. That's the enemy, Lord, because I know you drink coffee. And so as I got this ridiculous cup of coffee, I I walk out the door and the Lord says, give it to that homeless lady outside. And I was like, well, now I know I'm not hearing of the Lord because he would never make me give up this cup of coffee. And I like literally looked at the homeless lady and I took a sip of my coffee. I'm embarrassed telling the story. Anyways, so I get in the car and the Lord was like, yo, give give that lady your cup of coffee. And I was like, I don't really see myself doing that, Jesus. I'm already halfway through this cup. Like, it's delicious. It's Christmas in a cup, Lord. I have to drink it. And so I'm about halfway down the street, and the Lord reminds me of something my pastor said, that a delayed obedience is better than disobedience. And so I felt very convicted, and I turned my car around, and I drove it back to the Starbucks, and the lady wasn't there. And I was like, okay, I just, <laughs> I don't have to give her my coffee. The Lord's like, she's across the street at the McDonald's, which he was correct. She was across the street at McDonald's. So he said, go give that lady your coffee. So I'm like, she doesn't want my coffee, Jesus. She's at McDonald's. So I, I get to the McDonald's across the street and I get out of my car to like walk over and just scary pants, give this lady my coffee. And the Lord says, no, no, no. Now you need to go into the McDonald's, get her a McMuffin and a hash brown. And I was like, Lord, now you're just being ridiculous. Cause these are the kind of conversations me and Jesus have. So I go into the McDonald's, I get the McMuffin. I'm mad. I'm holding my Starbucks cup in the McDonald's cause McCafe, absolutely not. So I have my coffee and I, I get this lady, the stuff and I'm like walking out to this lady. She's soliciting, you know, McMuffins from other people. And I'm like, she doesn't even need this McMuffin Jesus. I'm like for real upset at this point. I'm dealing, Lord's dealing with my evangelism issues. And so I get out there, I hand this woman the McMuffin and the hash brown. She look, she like looks at me, looks in the bag, not a smile, not a hello, not a thank you. And I, I go to give her my coffee. And I said, um, ma'am, this is a, a white chocolate mocha with whipped cream and um, sea salt on top. It is a seven and a half. I had to tell her this is a seven and a half cup of dollar cup of coffee. It's Christmas in a cup. She looked at me. She said, okay, dumps the coffee and pours McDonald's coffee into my Starbucks cup. I'm going to need a minute because I can't even, I can't even process that even now as I'm telling you the story. So I was so mad and I was just like, that's it, Lord. Like, that's it. And he goes, oh, oh no, I didn't have you give that to her for her. I had you give that to her for you. And in that moment, I was like, man, God, like you were just testing me. That lady, she had four McMuffins and seven cups of coffee by the time I got to her. She didn't need my coffee. She didn't need my McMuffin. What she needed was uh, to be loved. And what I needed to do was just be freaking obedient. And it was in that season where I was trying to figure out what it looked like to be a kingdom person. And God was like, kingdom people are obedient, Chadi. And I remember in that moment, 
I was like, God, I can't do this. I'm scared to do this. I'm going to look so dumb. God, anytime that he would ask me to do something, I'd be so scared to do it. And God would be like, just do it. Why won't you just do it? I'm with you. And it was because I was overcome with what people were going to say or overcome with fear that maybe I wasn't hearing from God. And I was so overwhelmed with being scared. And the more I began to process what it looks like to be a kingdom person and build kingdom people, the Lord brought to my attention. He said, Chadi, sometimes you just got to do it scared. Notice how I didn't say, be the best Christian or the best leader or the most qualified. It's because God doesn't usually use the best. He uses the obedient. And um, I'm usually not the best at things, but I am the obedient one. And if you want to build kingdom people, then you have to become one of those people. And obedient people are kingdom people. They're kingdom-minded. They obey God because people's lives are at stake. They obey God because people will be blessed because of it. They obey because Jesus was obedient and he gave his life and sacrificed on a cross. And if you just jump into your season, whether it's leadership or parenting or high school or college or whatever it is, just do it scared. Even if God asks you to do something that might be crazy town, God will always sharpen and test your obedience. So live aware of it and allow the sharpening that doing it a little scared will give you. A little scared doesn't make you full of fear. It makes you aware. It makes you cautious. Notice I didn't say um, fearful. I just said, just do it a little scared. It's just cautious. It's just understanding that God is moving and you know what? It's new for you. And if you want to be a kingdom person, if you want to build kingdom people, if you want to lead yourself well and lead others well, you just got to be obedient to whatever God's asking you. People always say, Chadi, um, how do you know How do you know that? How do you know if what God's asking you? How do you know what he's doing? Test him. Sometimes I just get in my car and I'll leave about 30 minutes before work when I was really starting to learn how to hear God and hear his voice. And I'd go, okay, God, how do you want me to go to work today? And he'd say, take this exit or go this way or go that way or make a left or make a right. And, and I would just do it. And sometimes I would, I would find the coolest stuff along the way, or God would say, stop here, or, go get this. Or, and it was like, I was learning to hear from God. I was learning to be so enveloped in all the things that he was enveloped, that I was learning how to love people. I was learning how to hear his voice. I was learning how to be obedient. So then when it came to time, the time for me to be obedient in the big things, I was obedient then because I was obedient in the little. And obedience, it doesn't always feel good, but you know what? Obedience, if, if, it, if it felt good, it wouldn't be called obedience. And sometimes you just got to do it scared. Truth is, God uses disobedient people. So if you're disobedient, that's okay. He used Jonah, he used Judas, he used Peter, he used David on the roof. But he prefers to build you up through obedience. And he can build you. It'll be easier for you to love and build up your team, your kids, your spouse, your circle if you're obedient. And in this state of awareness and obedience where God will then entrust you with his revelation, his strategies, his missions for your season um, with people, you got to just step into it, even if it's a little scary. Some of the things God's going to ask you to be obedient about will always feel a little scary, and that's okay. I love this Proverbs 3, 1 through 4. It says, My son, always remember what I've taught you. Keep my instructions dear to your heart. If you do, they will be your guide a long, healthy, prosperous life. He says, stay focused. Do not lose sight of mercy and truth. Engrave them on the pendant and hang it on your neck. Meditate on them so they're written upon your heart. And in this way, you will win the favor of God. I always think of like influence, the favor of God and others, and they will think well of you. Position doesn't give you the favor of God. Influence does. And if you want influence, you've got to be obedient. 
Because God only gives influence to those that he can truly trust. And being in tune and being obedient to God's will and purpose for you isn't just something that will make you a better human, but it will give you a larger capacity to love people. And and that, after all, is why we're here, right? To love people. So if you want to build kingdom people, you first have to embrace things being kind of scary and not perfect. And you just got to be obedient. Another thing is I found that in that obedience and in that, okay, God, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on the kingdom. Okay, God, I'm going to focus on the here and now and what you're doing. And even if it's scary, I feel like God sometimes just says, you know what? It's going to be messy. Okay, God, so now it's scary and now it's messy. What kind of weirdness is this? And I find that even in that homeless lady story that God taught me that even though it was scary, but at the end of it, at the end of it, even though it was messy and even though I had feelings and even though I wanted to cry in a corner, God still met me there. Look, don't be freaked out if your attempts to love and lead and be obedient are messy and leave you um, with awkward turtle reminders, like not having a cup of coffee for work. Sacrifice looks messy and loving people is messy. Just be okay with things not looking and feeling perfect. That whole thing with that homeless lady, poor lady, that thing was not, that was messy. That was embarrassing. I'm just like driving around Jacksonville just trying to find the homeless lady to give her my coffee that I had drank half of. I mean, it was not a pretty situation. I've had pretty situations. This was not one of them. It's only when you start to embrace the messy moments that ministry and life can bring that God shows you a solution. Like right in front of you, there's a solution. And that solution usually comes from an unlikely source. I love the story of Moses in the Bible. You know, the freedom came from plagues, rescue came through walking through a sea, food and water came from a rock and some supernatural morning drops, and the promise came only after the wilderness. I say all that to say that the kingdom solutions you you need, they usually come from supernatural situations, and the supernatural is kind of scary. It's not weird. It's kind of, sometimes it's like, this is weird. Jesus, this is in the Bible? Okay. Uh, supernatural is also kind of messy and kingdom people have to be supernaturally stewarded through all the pharaohs and red sea moments and wildernesses of life so you've got to be okay with the messy so leadership slash kingdom parenting doesn't mean you have all the answers it just means you have one answer and that answer is found in the creator of heaven and earth and that answer to your problems guides you uh, to live and build the kingdom right where you are by being obedient and understanding that the true source of everything you need is Jesus. So, if you want to build kingdom people, you first have to just do it scared. Not perfect, not amazing, and by scared I mean it's okay to have some concerns. Secondly, you gotta be okay with things being a little messy. Becoming a person who has the kingdom mindset of love, and living it out, and living love in the way you lead, and love in the way you live, and love in in all the way you serve people, it looks messy in a world where everything is perfectly poised for, you know, highlight reels. Everyone wants their highlight reels shown. Um, Nobody wants the messiness of love. Love is messy. I've been married for almost 15 years, and let me tell you, it's messy. It's messy. Marriage is not like a sexcapade of, you know, all those things that you think when you first get married, all those people in their cute little, uh, what's it called, Instagram things. And that's not what marriage is. Marriage is like HOAs and Netflix and actually chilling and, and messy arguments over things you don't even remember. Like love is hard and rough and and it takes work. And 
I don't know, man. I just feel like so many times we look at love and we look at leading and we think it's going to be glamorous and it's hard. It's messy. And you just got to do it scared. So thirdly, once you've got over your concerns and you embrace the mess, you just repeat it. Yep. Repeat. (laughs) Once you've stepped into something unknown and embraced the messiness, you have to do it again. You know that song, Do It Again by Elevation? Like that, but not like that. And the doing it again gives you another chance at doing it better. I find that sometimes when I really jack up the obedience thing and I'm scared and it's messy, God will let me walk that road again just to make sure I get some reps in. And the reps is what people see and take note and begin to do themselves. The greatest lesson I learned from those going before me was watching them navigate hard things, great things, God things. And so that's how you build kingdom people. You become a kingdom person yourself and and focus on love. During that like homeless uh, moment thing that I went through, every part of me wanted to um, just crawl into a hole somewhere because I was so embarrassed that it, that I didn't love this woman well. Like I could feel the frog in my throat, like the tears rolling up in my eyes that I had failed, that I wasn't representing God well. And even as I got in my car and I wiped my tears and I sat there just completely embarrassed, I like, I remember saying to God, like, next time I'll get it bright. And it's true. There's been other chances where God has given me where he's asked me to go pray for someone or push, push me out my comfort zone and, fo- and be focused on that the kingdom was here and now and that God is asking me to go out and do amazing things for him. And it was in that moment where I, I said, okay, God, next time I'll do it better. And you know what? You are sitting on a hill. We are cities on a hill, a flashlight in dark places, called to love and be loved and cultivate others who love, even when it's scary, even when it's messy. Love, love, love is all you need. So go out this week and be love. Cultivate love and choose love. Because when love is the goal, kingdom people are produced and the kingdom is built here and now. And if things get weary or hard, just take a bow. (laughs) Not because you nailed it, but because Jesus nailed it on the cross and we already won. You just got to walk it out. All right? So, you're awesome. High fives all around. And uh, that's really all I got. Make sure you're following the blog for new posts and subscribe to the Creative Church Daily Devo. If you have any questions for me you'd like me to address, shoot me an email. And maybe I'll talk about it on one of the shows. And uh, more than anything, just build kingdom people where you are. You don't have to have position to have influence. You just have to have Jesus. And Jesus is love. And that's all that matters. It's okay if it's messy. It's okay if you're a little scared. At the end of the day, God is going to be glorified. All right, weirdos. Love you.